good morning. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And uh, we're just going to take some time this morning. We've been talking about over the last month or so, how do we invest in other people? What does that look like for us to invest in others? As we as a church grab hold of the call that God has for every single one of us, how do we invest in other people? Before we do that, I always, one of my, 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 my uh, uh, spiritual gifts is exhortation, and I love to exhort and encourage people. And I want to thank the, the, all of you guys who sing every Sunday morning for all of you, our choir. Wasn't that a great choir special this morning, guys? I'm telling you, thank you for that. Jack, thank you for being there every week, back there at the back, and greeting everybody too as well, and, and for, for all the guys taking up their offering and all those things too as well. I just, I just really appreciate that. I want you to know that uh, just means a lot. Thank you for all of that. I, guys, this is a, we have got a great body here, a great church here, and a great opportunity here, and I want us to grab hold of that. And um, so this morning I want to talk to you about the famous last words of Christ, and how does that impact us to how we take the word to the world? What does that look like? And first of all, the way we do it is we don't become this church up here, okay? That's not the church we want to become. We don't want to become this. You know, I, I can't remember I showed you all that picture or not, but that's a church about three miles from Liberty's campus, okay? It, it, I drove by it for the first time. I took that picture about seven, eight years ago, and we were out in the country just looking around, looking for neighborhoods, and I found, I drove by it, and we got about a mile past that, and, and I, I said, Debbie, did that church back there have a no trespassing sign in front of it? And she said, I believe it did. And I said, yeah. We went back there. I'm serious. We're standing across the street from that. Just so happened my daughter had her camera with us. And I thought to myself, i got to get some pictures of that because someday that's going to go in a book somewhere, you know. I mean, <coughs> that can't be who we become. That just cannot be who we become. Guys, there's, there's no reason for no trespassing sign to be out in front of our, our church of who we are. So what I want us to do this morning is just take some time and just talk about what this is really all about. And first of all, we need to understand this. We must move as a people from becoming inclusive of just Christians and exclusive of the world to becoming inclusive of everyone in relation to their essential need of salvation. Do you see that? I want you to read that with me again. And read it out loud with me, okay? We must move from being inclusive of just Christians and exclusive of the world to becoming inclusive of everyone in relation to their essential need of what? Salvation. That means we have to be a body of people, and that's what we're about. We're not just about hanging around each other. We're about taking the gospel to the world. We're about investing in people's lives. This is what we are about. This is who we are. And the second part of this is really simple. The bottom line is that if we're going to become fishers of men, we must be willing to get wet. Tell your neighbor, we got to get wet. Come on, we got to dive in and go fishing, man. That's what it is. Don't we? Yes or no? If we're going to fish, we got to go to the water, which means this. That means accepting people the way they are is not the same as condoning their sin. See, a lot of times we want to look down at people because of things they've done. But accepting people the way they are is not the same as condoning their sin. Accept people, love them the way they are, just as Jesus accepts us as we come before him the same way. We don't have to condone their sin. I was raised in a church that told us that if there are sinners, don't hang around them. And I, you know what? I mean, how can you go fishing if you never go to the water? You can't. You've got to hang around people that don't know Christ. 
we got to be able to be a part of we got to go into this community and reach people. And, and that means that we have to love people the way they are. Loving them and accepting them is not the same as condoning their sin. We have to care for them, deeply love them. That's who God's called us to be. So, how do we do that? Well, Acts chapter 1, 6 to 11 gives us the picture here of what we need to do. Why don't you look at this with me? It simply says, so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs for which the Father has fixed his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Why don't you read verse 8 with me, okay? If you can see it up there, why don't you read it with me aloud? It says, but you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that is us, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to even the remotest part of the earth. And after he said these things, while they were lifted up, while they were looking on, and a cloud received them out of their sight, and, he, and, he, and they, they were gazing intently into the sky, and were going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way in which you watched him go into heaven. What I want us today to do today is just answer some simple questions. Just some simple questions. These are the last words that Jesus ever spoke on this earth, okay? If you knew you had 30 minutes left in this world, and you knew that you could speak to those people you cared for the most, what would you say to them? I doubt you'd care about who won the Super Bowl next week. I doubt you'd care about anything like that. I bet all you would care about is, is them and what you wanted to them to learn and understand most important. What do you want to So Jesus' last words are actually the third time in Scripture he gives us a great commission statement, okay? So first of all, in order to understand what Jesus was all about, we have to understand what he was not about. What was Jesus all about? Well, what was, he, what was not important to Jesus? If you look at this passage of Scripture, what we see here is this. It says, Lord, at this time, is it this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel. What Jesus was not about was about, you know, about those guys exalting themselves. It was not about, you know, Lord, we followed you all this time now. Give us, let us sit at your right hand and your left hand. Lord, we've done all these things for you. No, it wasn't about that. Jesus was about to call them to the, to, to the greatest task of all, to die for their faith. In fact, he uses a phrase for that when he talks about that here in a moment. And we're going to talk about that. So what does he say there? You see, the disciples were often consumed by themselves, about themselves. How about us? You know, they had this kind of what's in it for me mentality. What about us? Do we do that same thing too? Do we treat God like he's kind of our, our celestial Santa Claus that we go to that gives us what we want? Or are we going to God and saying, God, how can you use me? Come on, in our culture, guys. I read more and more and more stuff about Western Christianity. And the biggest worry about Western Christianity is that we have reversed this whole thing. We shop for churches the way we shop for shoes. Does it fit? Does it meet my needs? Does it do all those things? And what is God really saying? God is saying it's not about that. It's about what you can bring to the table for me. You remember the JFK thing? Don't ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. The issue is, ask not what God can do for us, but what can we do for him because we owe him everything anyway, don't we? 
Why do we keep wanting to take from God when what God's designed for us is, is to be on mission with him? That's what our call. It's not about that. It's not about us sitting at his right hand or left hand. We don't deserve to sit in those places. It's about us saying, God, my life is yours. Take me and use me for what you want it to be. So what was important to Jesus? Here's our purpose, real simple. To glorify God in all things. Would you agree with that, yes or no? Would you say that? Turn to your neighbor and say, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. To glorify God in all things. So what is our mission? What is our mission? Our mission is to join Christ on mission. To join Christ on mission. By doing what? By daily living out the great commandment and daily living out the great commission. Our mission is to join Christ on mission by daily living out the great commandment and daily living out the great commission. Our purpose is to glorify God in all things, but make no mistake, the scripture teaches our mission, our mission is to join him daily by living out the great commandment and the great commission. Now, what are those? What do they say? Well, here it is. The great commandment is that we shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and you love your what? Your neighbor as who? Say that again. Think about this. Isn't it interesting that God puts us at the bottom of this? See, here's what we do it. We love ourselves so much, we have no time, to, very little time to love God and no time to love our neighbors. No, guys, look at me. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God first and foremost, and he will put you on mission To love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's not telling us not to care for ourselves and look out for ourselves or anything. What he's saying is is that we're not at the top of this pyramid. We love God first. And and by the way, if you want to know if you love God, how much do you love your neighbors? Because if you don't love your neighbors, can you really love God? Do we love the people of this community that don't know Christ? Do we love the people of this community? Do we love our people that work next to us? Do we love those people? Do we think about their need for Christ? Do we do that? If we don't, do we really love God? How can we love God without loving our neighbor? Guys, if we love ourselves, if we really understand what it means, we've got to love God, love our neighbor, and then we're at the bottom of this whole thing. And then what does he say? He says, go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations. Go. Make disciples. How do we make disciples? What is a disciple? A disciple cannot be a disciple without being a multiplier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, what does he say? All that I have commanded you. And today we're going to talk about part of what he commanded us is that we are to be his witnesses. We are to be his hands and feet and mouthpieces to the world. I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Make no mistake, our purpose is to glorify God. Our mission is join Christ on mission by daily living out the great commandment and daily living out the great commission. So how do we do this? How do we do this? And by the way, this comes from a study that was done back in uh, 2008. I thought I would just kind of share this with you. Lifeway did this, and they asked several thousand people this question here. It was, I think Christianity is more about organized religion than loving God and loving people. Look at this. Look at this, 79% of the people said yes. 79% of the people said yes. In other words, four out of five people said we're blowing it. We're blowing the great commandment. We're not living it out. Now, how about this next one? Look at this. The church is full of hypocrites. Of course, we would probably say for sure this was actually lower than I thought it would be. People who criticize others for doing the same things themselves, 72% said yes. 
Four out of five folks say that we're already blowing the great commandment. And seven out of ten say, what you say, you say, you really don't believe because you don't live it. Guys, if we're going to love God, we've got to glorify Him. We've got to join Him on mission. We've got to take this seriously. So how can this be done? First of all, we're going to answer four simple questions today. Here's the first question. Where do I get the boldness to share my faith? Where do I get the boldness to share my faith? What does it say? It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Where do I get my boldness to share my faith? The word there for power is the word dunamis. It's explosive. It means literally miraculous power. He is telling us, look at me, and, and listen to this. He's not saying, I want you to be a witness without me. He's saying, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Let me ask you something. Is the Holy Spirit, is it small h, small s, or big H, big S? Why? Because it is God in us, in spirit, right? So what he is saying is, when I, when I left, I left you the comforter. I would fill you with the spirit. He is in you. You will be my witnesses because I will fill you. I'm not asking you to do anything on your own because it wouldn't matter anything. I'm simply saying, I will fill you. I will give you that power. Do we trust the Holy Spirit, yes or no? Do we believe in the Holy Spirit, yes or no? Do we believe he fills us up, yes or no? So if we really believe that, and we just saw that thing on hypocrisy, we can't believe something and not actually act on it, right? So if we really believe it, then we have to trust him. Then how do we do this? He gives us the boldness to do this through his power, guys. It's that simple. Face it. You cannot share Christ, but God can through the Holy Spirit who resides in you. Tell your neighbor, you can do this. You can do this. Come on, tell him you can do this. Come on, come on. Tell him you can do this. You can do this through Christ who lives in you. You can do this. I promise you, you can. All right? Think about this. This also came from the same study. Here's what it showed. It says, I have at least one close friend who considers himself or herself a Christian. This will define what part of the problem is. Look at this. 89%, 9 out of 10 people say that they have a close friend who considers himself or herself a Christian in, in our, our Western culture in the United States. Now, here's the problem, though. Nine out of ten people that, but Christians I talk to me, Christians talk to me about my beliefs too often. Look at this. Look at that, guys. 71% say no. So nine out of ten say, I have a close friend who calls himself a Christian, but 71% say no one ever talks to me about it. Could that be the problem? But you say, but nobody wants to listen, right? Nobody wants to listen to the gospel anymore. Nobody wants to do that. You'd be wrong. Because 78% said, yes, I would love to have a conversation with someone about those things. Look at the next one. Well, no one would want to do it. They're going to disagree because we're in a disagreeable culture. Well, yeah, we are in a disagreeable culture. But guess what? Even if we disagree, that same 78% said, I'd still love to have a conversation. You know why? Because people are empty. They're hurting. They're in need of Jesus. We're called to take the gospel to them, guys. And he is not leaving us alone. He is saying, I'm giving you the power to be able to do this. Now do it. Share with them. Don't, don't trick yourself into thinking the world doesn't want to hear. Listen, they're hungry. Why, why, why is heroin growing so much in our culture? Because people are medicating the very hole that's in their heart. And only God can feel it. And we know he can feel it. But yet we're being quiet. Come on. Guys, we need to be, we need to go tell people. He gives us the power to do this. How can we do it? He do it? We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the boldness that Christ gives us. Because why? Because if it is true in Rocky Mount that 9 out of 10 people in Rocky Mount have a close friend who calls himself a Christian, it would probably be higher than that. But I wonder how many of them would say, but they never talked to me about Christ. I'm not talking about church, I'm talking about Jesus. Think about that. 
Because people want to hear. They need to hear. They're hungry to hear. They're hurting to hear. They need Jesus. Make no mistake, they need Christ. Okay? Number two, how about this? Why should I share my faith? Why? How can I share my faith through the power of the Holy Spirit? Why should I share my faith? Because it's a command of Scripture. It's not a choice of Scripture. Let me ask you, would we consider sin being breaking God's law, yes or no? Yes or no? Is sin breaking God's law? Would that that be a simple definition? It literally means to miss the mark. But what is the mark? The bullseye is God's law. When we miss that, we sin, right? So if if, if evangelism is a command of Scripture to share the gospel, then we don't do it. Are we therefore not propagating a culture to allowing ourselves to be disobedient to Christ? We call that sin. Come on, what does it say? It says, you shall be my witnesses. Guys, mark that any way you want to. I've studied Greek. I can tell you that is written in an imperative state. He did not, those are the last words spoken of Jesus. He did not say when you get around to it, when you want to, when you, the, only those of you have certain personality types, only those of you who, who, who are comfortable doing this. No, no, no. Only those of you who've taken seminary classes. No, he didn't say any of that. He said, you shall be. The word there for witness is the word martyrus. It's where we get the word martyr from. Jesus knew that if we would take seriously his great commission, he knew he was giving his disciples a death sentence. And by the end of the book of Acts, by the end we get through all of this, by the time again we get through all these, these things, it's not long. By the time we get there, about the year 100, by the time we get to the end of the New Testament, John is already passed on. He was the last to pass on. Most of the disciples died a hideous death. But by that time, guess what? The gospel had already started spreading into all the world. Would it be worth it to us as a church if the gospel could spread into all the world and it cost us our lives? Because you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches you'll never understand what it means to live your life for Christ until you're willing to die for it. When I was studying through the book of Acts several years ago, I wrote this in a book. I don't, I don't say too many profound things, but when this happened to me, it really hit me. It was amazing to me how willing the early disciples were to die for their faith and how unwilling we are to live for ours. Guys, the point of what we do is the gospel of Christ. You shall be my martyrs, my witnesses. We are, that's what we're called to do, to take Christ into the workplace, no matter where we work, to take Christ into everything we do into this community. That's the reason why this church exists here, not to create a comfort zone for Christians, but to create a mission zone for us to go out and tell the world about Christ. That's what we're called to do. How do we do this? By the power of God. Why do we do this? Because it is a command of Scripture. And remember this, disobedience is never a valid choice of a child of God. It's never a valid choice of a child of God. It's not. How about this? Number three, where should I share my faith? Where should I share my faith? Well, that's real simple, isn't it? Everywhere. Beginning in your own personal Jerusalem. We don't just do it by meeting at the church, although tomorrow night they're going to meet here at 6 o'clock, which is a great thing to do. I would hope you'd take the same thing back to your own community. Because where do we start? We start right where we are. What does it say? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Listen, you have, we have not done our responsibility with the gospel if we only give money to foreign missions, but we ignore our Jerusalem, Judea, and our Samaria. You know, you know what's written in the Greek? You know what it means? It means all at the same time. It is literally God's strategy for how we're supposed to take the gospel out. We begin right where we are and we go into the whole world. That's what we're supposed to do. Right where we are. 
Let us be an Acts 1 church that grabs hold of our Jerusalem, where we shop, where we work, where we play, where we live, to go into our Judea, you know, wherever we travel, outside our county, you know, to Samaria, to go cross cultures and touch people that, that may not feel welcome or whatever it might be and love them and care for them. And then go into the whole world, but we don't go to the world and share something we're not willing to share within our own Jerusalem, right where we are, where we live, we work, and we play. That's what it's supposed to be, guys. There are no two characteristics of this I want you to notice real quickly. First of all, the gospel is inclusive. The gospel is inclusive of everyone, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel is inclusive, but also the gospel is individual. Let me say this to you. We are not saved because... We're not saved because of the fact that, that our moms and dads are saved or because we go to church or because our grandfather was a pastor. We are born again. We're going to stand before God individually one day. We're born again face-to-face -face with God, realizing that we fall short of him because we are sinners. That's what it is. We are, we're individual. And let me ask you this. this just, just think about this for a moment. Think about this. Fred, who led you to Christ? Who led you to Christ? Your mother. Sharon, who led you to Christ? Okay, all right. Who led you to Christ? Your pastor led you to Christ. Okay, who led you to Christ? All right, Jonathan, who led you to Christ? Okay, all right. Jack, who led you to Christ? Who led you to Christ? Your mama led you to Christ. All right, all right. Deborah, who led you to Christ? All right. Who led you to Christ? Come on, Angel, who led you to Christ, Angel? Your grandmother did. All right. Lee, who led you to Christ? Okay, Becky, who led you to Christ? Your pastor did, all right? Uh, th think about this, guys. Just take this for a moment here. Let's all just talk about this. Jerry, who led you to Christ? Pastor did. Okay. I want you to, I just want you to think about this. You know, and Daniel, who led you to Christ? Your dad, okay. You know, my, you know, I, I came to Christ at eight years old. Uh, my mom, I've been asking my mom and dad questions for two years. And my mom and dad answered those questions. But it took a Sunday school teacher, it took my mom and my dad and my pastor, all three were hugely influential in bringing me to Christ. You know, think about that. Jonathan, I mean, I mean think about it. Mark, who led you to Christ, Mark? Pastor, okay. I mean, your mom, your dad, your youth minister, your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your best friend, they all led you to Christ, right? Let's think about that. I mean, just, just for a moment, you know, somebody led Billy Graham to Christ, right? You ever read that story? He came to Christ under the preaching of Mordecai Ham. And by the way, Mordecai Ham was a well-known evangelist. Billy Sunday was a part of bringing him to, to North Carolina when he preached. And, he's, and, and if you read Mordecai Ham's his journal, what you'll find out is he went back that night and he read his, wrote his journal that only one cotton-haired little boy, only one cotton-haired little boy came forward and came, came to Christ that night. He was disappointed. Because only one person came to Christ. But he didn't realize, Mark, did he, that that one man would touch millions, right? Who brought you to Christ, Mark? Your pastor. I want you to ask you a question now. What if no one had ever led Billy Graham to Christ? What if no one ever led you to Christ? What if no one had ever told you? What, what about Zach? Was it your dad that led you to Christ? One of your parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if, what, if, what if no one would have ever told you about Jesus? What if that would have happened? Where would you be right now? Someone told you. Think of your Sunday school teacher. Think of the people in this church. Think of the folks that influenced your life. Think of the people who told you. What if someone had never told them? Guys, 
We're invited to be on mission with Christ. It's inclusive of all of us, but it is individual. Someone had to stand before you and tell you, this is what it's all about. And then you had to respond to that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that transformation, you're here right now. Is that right? Someone told you. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell your neighbor? Who's going to tell your family member? Who's going to tell the people you work with? Who's going to tell this community about Jesus? Where should we do this? Beginning in Jerusalem. Going outward, Judea, Samaria, then to the uttermost parts of the earth. But it starts where we live, we work, and we play. Finally, what, what, what's the point of sharing our faith? What's the point of sharing our faith? It's real simple. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. I mean, think about it. This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way that you've watched him go into heaven. He's coming back. Do you believe he's coming back? Yes or no? Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's coming back. Come on, tell him. You really think he's coming back? Yes or no? Isn't it going to be an amazing thing when he comes back? Man, I, I, I can't wait, can you? It's going to be great when he comes back. Absolutely. We believe that with all of our That is one of the crux, the very cornerstones of Christianity. That Jesus Christ lived, died, rose again. He rose because he never sinned. He went up to, he's at the right hand of the Father who is in heaven. And one day, he's coming back. Absolutely. We believe that. We do. Let's think about this for a moment. Several years ago, I was in Russia. And I was... Uh, I was it was, it was the last night I was there speaking in churches, and, and, and they, they took us around to visit these churches. And there was this one particular church that was pastored by this young pastor who's mid-20s. The church was growing like crazy, and they'd started a Saturday night service. So we showed up on Saturday night. We didn't tell them we were coming. It was out in the middle of nowhere, and, and uh, we show up, and the pastor's shocked that we're there. It was during a time when if you'd have told them that someone from America was coming, the whole community would have showed up. And, and so we, the guy showed us around the church. It was amazing because he took us downstairs, and, and they had dug out a cellar downstairs that during the communist regime, that's where they worshipped. They had dirt walls, and they had the names of Jesus all on those dirt walls. They had double doors. And in the back, they had a big stack. You could tell where they took the dirt out from down there, and they put it across their yard, hiding that, literally. They, they worshipped in, in you know, that, that way could have been killed at any time under the communist regime. But now they had freedom to worship. And that night, he took us around and showed us everything. And I'll never forget this. The pastor, again, didn't know that we were coming. And he took us up to a room, and we were sitting there with about 15 or 20 people. And I'm assuming they're the elders, deacons of the church, and they're all sitting around. And one of the deacons, guys, gets up, and he walks across. And I stand up and shake his hand. And he starts to say something to me in Russian that I don't have a clue what he's saying. I mean, look, I don't speak real good redneck. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't understand that real good. So it just, he comes up and he shakes my hand, and my, my, my uh, uh, interpreter's right next to me. She had come to Christ two nights before. During the invitation, she was interpreting the invitation. She looks at me and she says, David, I must make my, my, my confession. And she went down and laid down before Christ and surrendered her life to Christ. So here we are, about three or four nights later, and so here she is interpreting for me. This guy comes across, shakes my head, puts his head down, kind of shakes his head a little bit like that, and says something to me. And he, then he, he walks away. I look at her and say, what did he say? What did he say? Come on, what did he say? And I've never forgotten this. He said, if we'd have known you were coming... We would have gone and got more people. 
If we'd have known you were coming, we'd have gone and got more people. Is Jesus coming back, yes or no? Look around us, where are the people? What greater motivation do we need than the fact that Jesus is coming back and we don't know when it is? Think about it. How can we do this? Through the power of God. You know, why? Because it's a command of Scripture. Where? Everywhere we go. Beginning in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And what's the point of sharing my faith? Because Jesus is coming back and the gospel is true. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Get ready for our invitation time. This morning, I'm going to ask you, if you've never received Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, I'm going to ask you to step out and come. I'm going to ask you to make, make that this morning to, to come forward. Maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe if you die right now, you do not know for sure if you go to heaven. You don't know. But this morning, God's speaking to your heart, and he's saying to you, it's time that you surrender your life to him. Maybe it's time that you step forward, and you, you, you've come to Christ, but it's time you step forward and join the church, or you get baptized, and you say, it's time that I, that I step out and really be a disciple of Christ, to, to glorify God by joining him on mission. That's what I need to do. Absolutely, that's what I need to do. To join him on mission right now. Maybe you've never received Christ as your personal Savior. and Right now, you just need to ask him to come into your life. Whatever the decision is this morning. Or maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, you've, you've, you're a Christian and you're ready to plunge, take that plunge and go in full whole heart and say, God, I, I want to follow you. This is what I want to do. I want to follow you. I'm going to open this altar up this morning. I'm going to challenge us as a church to take our steps towards following him completely and totally. Whatever decision it is that God's calling you for this morning, you come. We, God has called us to be influencers in this community. And it starts with each one of us grabbing hold of the purpose of glorifying God and the mission of joining Christ on mission to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment at any cost. Are we willing to grab hold of that and follow him? Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you will lead this invitation, that you will use us, God, for your glory this morning, that we would follow you completely, totally, and surrender ourselves to you. Lord, right now, may you, Lord, Shine in this moment. Draw us out. Call us. If we don't know you, Lord, please touch our lives that we may not leave today without knowing for sure that we are your ch children, that we know you, and that we're walking with you exactly the way you want. Touch us right now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand.